Welcome, very good morning. If you are watching your home in the camera, we are about to read the Bible now. I want to invite you to open your Bible in Revelation chapter 12. If you are here in the hall as well, of course. Um, just to let you know, is if it's your first time watching this on YouTube, or if you are here for the first time, we are in this series of uh, teaching and preaching. We had many series in this church. We always try to preach in a way that we can make a whole exposition of the text of the Bible. Uh, we had, oh, many of them, Nehemiah. We had the, the body of Christ, the church, what means to be a church. Uh, we had the parables of Jesus. And we had the first block, the first season of Revelation since chapter 1. Now we are in the second season. Today is chapter 12, next um, Sunday is chapter 13, and then it's December. So, it's enough revelation, Christmas, end of year, it's already December. And then, in some point next year, we'll be back on Revelation to the very end. Revelation is a very polemic book of the Bible, and full of symbols and the language. Sometimes it's hard to understand and has been a great journey to share the revelation with you guys. In this church, if you are watching this for the very first time, second, third time, uh, we try to preach and be very honest with the Bible. We do understand the Bible is a treasure, is the Word of God. And the centrality of the Scriptures is not the centrality of the preacher. So we are just like the Bible call jars of clay, and today I'm feeling very, very clay, because I'm flu. <laughs> but the main treasure uh, must show is the Scriptures, and there is a lot here to share with you this morning. So, Revelation chapter 12, don't worry if you are reading Revelation by the first, second time, uh, as we are going to read, we have all these weird symbols and sometimes you are reading and remember Lord of Rings or The Hobbit or that cartoon I was talking with Nathan was very famous in my country, Dungeons, Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, I had this here. Yeah, full of monsters and all of this. Don't worry. We will explain the text for you. And then my goal here is to bring some applications, practical lessons for you to take to your heart what the Bible is teaching for you and your family this very morning. Uh, if you have been watching this series with us, it's amazing to belong to a church where we have gifted people full of talents. And we had Ken, an amazing teacher of the Bible, last week explaining the codes and the symbols of Revelation. Today, chapter 12. It's enough to talk. Chapter 12. From verse 1, let's read together. A great sign appeared in heaven. A woman clothed, clothed with, with, with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and a crown of twelve stars on her head. She was pregnant and cried out in pain as she was about to give birth. Then other sign appeared in heaven. Enormous red dragon with seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns on its heads. Its tail swept a third of the stars out of the sky and flung them to the earth. The dragon stood in front of the woman, 
who was about to give birth so that it might devour her child the moment he was born. She gave birth to a son, a male child, who will rule all the nations with iron scepter. And her child was snatched up to God and to his throne. The woman fled into a wilderness to a place prepared for her by God, where she might take care of for 1,260 days. It's three years and a half. Then war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back. But he was not strong enough, and they lost their place in heaven. The great dragon was hurled down, ancient serpent called the devil or Satan, who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to the earth and his angels with him. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Messiah. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters who accuses them before our God day and night has been hurled down. They triumphed over him by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from the death. Let me read this verse again. They did not, they did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. Therefore, rejoice, you heavens, and you who dwell in them, but owe to the earth and the sea. Because the devil has gone down to you. He's filled with fury because he knows that his time is short. When the dragon saw that he had been hurled to the earth, he pursued the woman who, who had given birth to the male child. The woman has given, the woman has given to, uh, the two wings of a great eagle so that she might fly to the place prepared for her in the wilderness where she would be taken care of for a time, times and a half a time, out of the serpent's reach. Then from his mouth the serpent spelled water like a river to overtake the woman and sweep, sweep her away with the torrent. But the earth helped the woman by opening its mouth and swallowing the river that the dragon has spilled out of his mouth. Then the dragon was enraged at the woman and went off to wage war against the rest of her offspring, those who keep God's commands and hold fast their testimony about Jesus. Amen. Amen. Lord Jesus, we are here with the Bible open, helping, uh, asking for the help of your Holy Spirit. Speak with us this morning through the scriptures. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. Wow, what a scene, what a film. Steven Spielberg should do something with this. I don't know. So, guys, this first part, let me explain a bit about the symbols and what's happening here. Uh, you need to imagine. 
in that time, they, did have, they didn't have any idea that in some point in the future, something around 2,000 years later in the future, we, we would read in this uh, divided by chapters and verses, and, and the book of Revelation we just read now, <clears throat> 17 verses in the chapter 12. But in John's idea, when he wrote this, he didn't have chapters or verse. This was, I don't remember, maybe in 1551, they divided the Bible in verses in 12, 27, and chapters. So in that first century, there is no chapters or verse. It was only the text. John was the writer of the book of Revelation. It's the same John that we read in the gospel, the, the, the disciple of Jesus Christ. He wrote the gospel of John. He wrote three little letters before Revelation and the book of Revelation. He was the most, the closest disciple of Jesus, more than Peter, I believe. He was the one who looked after Mary. When Jesus was on the cross, he said to John, John, look after my mom. In other words, but this was the mission. And, and he was the pastor of a very important church uh, in that first century. The Ephesians letter or the Ephesus city in Turkey. John was one of the pastors. He's a very key, very important uh, guy in the New Testament. And he wrote Revelation. So we are in chapter 12. And in and, and this chapter, we have, how can I say, four blocks of teachings. And the first block from verse 1 until 6 is the birth and ascension. Is the word ascension of Jesus? Yes? And the first verse from 1 to 6. And the second block from 7 to 9, we have Satan cast out of the heaven. And the next block from 10 to 12... We have this song of victory about this war. And, and the, four, uh, the fourth block, from 13 to 17, we have Satan, the dragon, persecuting the church. Now, who is this woman? So, the tradition, the Catholic Church, teaches that the woman is Mary, the mother of Jesus. Some believers believe that this woman is a symbol of Israel, the God's people in the Old Testament. These people of Israel. But the most part, the majority of scholars, and, and they teach that this lady, this woman here, is a symbol, is a picture of the people of God, the church, and the Old and New Testament. She got, she had here, she have here 12 stars in her crown. That means the 12 tribes, the 12 disciples, is a symbol, symbolic. Uh, so the church of Jesus, the people of God on earth, they are under persecution, but in heaven, this church is glorious with the sun and the moon under her feet. That means domain authority. And so all this symbolic language here, for example, some scholars will teach that this part where this woman goes to the desert, to the wilderness for a time, 1,260 day, 60 day, 60 days, nobody knows what that means, three years and a half, but it's a symbol of some period of time. Some people say that it's between the two comings of Jesus, where is the church protected by God. So we have many symbols here, but I'd like to go with you for some specific truths. Let me see the time. Do you know that morning 
when you feel you want to have lunch from 9.30 in the morning. <laughs> so let me see. Hold on. God has something to tell for you. I would like now you bring your heart, mind, attention with no distractions. You can cook later. You can think on these things later to be here now. There is a war going on here. In the verse 7, I believe. Then war broke out in heaven. I don't need to explain who is the dragon, who the dragon is. It's very clear in the text. Called him a dragon or serpent, or the devil, Satan, the enemy, the accuser. There's a war here. There was a war in the text. There's a war happening now. Right now. Why? You see, this... You cannot ignore a dragon. If you watch these films with dragons, wow, he's powerful. He's scaring. He's really scared. He's a monster. And in this symbolic language, he's waiting for this child. He's waiting for this lady, this woman, to give birth, for his child to devour, to eat, to destroy, to kill. Why this is happening here? Because in the very first book of the Bible, Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, God gave a promise. It's the first promise about the Messiah. And God said for the woman, he said, the offspring of the woman, the, someone will come from the woman, and this one will crush the head of the serpent, the devil. Since there, Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, the devil the serpent, the dragon, is behind the cameras, behind the scenes, behind the trees, looking for who is the one who is crushing, coming to crush my head? Who is the one who will destroy me? And then, in the Old Testament, in the whole history of the Old Testament, all these men of God, uh, Moses, Elijah, all these big names that we have in the Bible, they were under God's protection, God's mission, but also they were under the fury of the dragon. The dragon was keep trying to kill, to destroy them. Because maybe is this, is this Moses? Is he? Let me try to kill him. In that days in Egypt, they ordered to, to, to kill all the babies, all the kids, because he wanted to destroy. And then when Jesus was born, do you remember Herod, what he said? Kill the babies, kill them all. Behind the scene is the hate, the fury of the dragon trying to kill that one. The promised Messiah, the one who was about to come and to smash, to crush, to destroy his kingdom. There is a war. In a war, there is no neutrality. War is war. War keeps us in this kind of um, awakening, awake mode. In a war, if someone coughs, you pull the trigger. In the war, you are aware about everything. And you know, sometimes I feel tired of myself, of some conversations when people say, oh, 
I'm when people start to complain about their lives, I should be like this, I should be like that. Oh, my life is not, uh, uh, I'm not succeeding. I need to change my behavior. I need to love Jesus. And, and people sometimes murmuring, complaining, but they don't do war. They don't say, it's enough, it's a war. And there is no neutrality. I cannot kind of, uh, I like Jesus. He's cool. The church is okay. It's not okay. It's life or death. It's a war. You cannot just enjoy church. You cannot just, oh, I think I enjoy Bible. I don't know if I'll get baptized. Mm, let me think twice. Hey, it's a war. The dragon hates you. He hates Jesus. He hates the church. He hates the gospel. And sometimes the people are not aware. There is no neutrality or superficial, shallow, surface Christian life. There is no option for you just enjoy church. There is no option for you just find, oh, Jesus is, is nice, is cute. I watched that day, that film, Jesus is so nice. It's a war. There is no way for you to not read your Bible and to not fall in love for Jesus and to not give your life for Him and step into the war. There is this expectation from the dragon to kill Him. Okay, it was impossible to kill Him. He's Jesus. The text here says that He went to heaven. So in the verse 17, what happened? The dragon was enraged at the woman, went off to wage war against the rest of her offspring. Oh, who are those? Those who keep God's commands and hold fast their testimony about Jesus. If you are a church member, guess what happened? The dragon changed his target. Now the target's you. It's me. It's our family. It's this local church. It's you if you're watching the camera now. You have a big target in your back. And the dragon is looking to you. If you keep God's commands and hold fast the testimony about Jesus, you are the new target. Welcome to Christian life. <laughs> Once Jesus said to Peter in the Bible, Jesus said, Hey, Peter, the devil has asked me to give you to him. Can you imagine this devil's prayer? The devil, hey Jesus, I want Peter. I want to destroy him. Jesus, give me Peter. Give me Peter. Can you imagine? Jesus, give me daddy. Give him his family. Give him that church. Jesus, please. Because he's under the authority of Jesus. So there is no equal fight here. He's under the authority. But he was asking Peter to Jesus, give me why devil? Because I hate him. Can you imagine this scene? What's happening here? So he, he hates the church. Every time, my friend, you open your laptop, your internet, your mobile phone, and nobody's around you, you are alone. The fury of the dragon is there waiting for you. Everybody, when someone from your another sex gender 
a lady or a man start to talk to you, to flirt to you, and you know you're not Brad Pitt. Come on. <laughs> the fury of the dragon is behind that beautiful smile. You just, you don't wake up in someone's bed. This starts slowly. Every time when you have a friend offering for you like they did with my girls this week, vape, or, or cigars or something, or let's go for, for cigarettes. Cigars is different. Yeah, it's nice. Spurgeon. <laughs> cigarettes. Or weed. Weed? Marijuana? Weed? Uh, there's many names for this. Okay. Um, I'm glad that I don't know these words in English. I don't need it. <laughs> the fury of the dragon is behind because he hates the church. Those who keep God's commands and testimony about Jesus. And he has many weapons to fight with. He used many weapons against you and me and our families all the time. We had many conversations with our uh, teenager daughters this week. And I said to Giovanni, oh, sometimes I'm so tired because you keep repeating, teaching, repeating. Because it's a fight. It's a war. And we pray for them. And God, you look after them. But we need to have our eyes open for everything. Because we have this... Everything from every side, from Netflix, from uh, social media, from friends, from school, and the culture, and the teachings, and everything. One of the weapons is here in verse 10. Verse 10 in Revelation 12 that we read now says that he is the accuser. And he keeps accusing God's people, brothers and sisters, day and night before God. Accusation is one of the weapons. Now, if you are here this morning or watching here, I really felt in my heart, I was talking with Steve this morning in that office. I was praying this week, and I felt, wow, maybe you feel guilty about your past. Do you know sometimes you are driving, you are quiet, you are not listening to music, or you are in the shower, or... You are alone or cooking or washing up or doing something. Then you have that thought, that memory. How could I be like this? And I was so unfair with that person. You know you were wrong. In your mistakes and things that you feel shame. In your past, in your sins, in your memories. Sometimes you keep fighting with these invisible enemies in your head. And you keep remembering, oh, if I could have a time machine, if I could, back on I could be back on time to take different decisions, to be someone more uh, flexible or to not speak like I did or to not spend my life like I did or my money like, like I did. If I could be back on my past and you feel guilty. And you know in your head that God loves you, but in your heart and your emotions, you don't know this. Because you cannot forgive yourself. And if you are a Christian, you know the Bible. And then you say for yourself, okay, but the Bible says I'm forgiven in Jesus. But after two minutes, you are putting guilt in your heart again, feeling bad about your past. It's the fury of the dragon. He is the accuser. Verse 10 says that day and night, he keeps accusing brothers and sisters before God. And sometimes I feel this accusation in my head, in my heart. But 
I'm not here today to share with you about the power, the effectiveness, or the weapons of the dragon. We have our weapons. Jesus has some weapons for us today. In the verse 11, after the accusation, let me read again because verse 11 is beautiful. They triumphed over him by the blood of the Lamb. We have the blood of Jesus. Why the blood is so important? Let me explain this for you. Why we keep saying, oh, the blood of Jesus, and we have this is our songs and teachings. Why this is so important here this morning? Well, actually, in the old days, we used to preach more about the blood. We should be back to preach more about the blood. What's happening? Do you remember I told you about Genesis 3, 15, the promise of the Messiah? One page, uh, one page before, in Genesis 2, 17, was the first promise about death. God said to Adam, he said, look, you, you know the story. If you eat the fruit from that tree, you will certainly die. Since there, the same dragon, the same serpent is behind the cameras, behind the trees, behind the scenes. Okay, the next scene, I'll catch him. The next human being being born. And the first scene, he's mine. Because... Aden and, and, and the Eden, the Garden of Eden, and the sin just came to the world. The, the disobedience of God, the result is sin. And through the whole Bible and the Old Testament, we have God keep teaching and teaching about the sin and the death. They both walk together. Ezekiel chapter 18, verse 4 says, Look, the one who sins will be the one who will die. And you have this in the whole Bible. And have this in, in even the New Testament, Romans 6, 23. The wages of sin is death. So how can I be saved? By blood. And then in the Old Testament, I have the whole Old Testament. People coming to the church, to the temple, bringing animals to kill. And in other words, uh, the meaning was, okay, me and my family who have sins against, uh, sin against God. And now we deserve to die but I'll take this lamb, this animal, and give to the priest, to the pastor, to the priest, and he'll kill, and that animal will pay for my sin. But isn't was enough. It was just for a short season. And then I need to keep doing this, keep doing this every single year, asking for forgiveness, killing animals, because Hebrews 9.22 says that without shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. Someone has to pay for my sin. Now you understand, because verse 11 says that God's people, they triumphed over him, the dragon, because of the blood. But then, that lady, she gave a birth of a son. A male child. And then again, behind the cameras, the dragon said, okay, another one for me. The first sin, I'll take him. They keep. They need to keep killing goats and lambs, asking for forgiveness. When the boy was, I don't know, 10, 12, 13, no sin. Hey, what's happening? Send a WhatsApp for the boss in the hell. Hey, boss, there's a boy here. There's no sin. Oh, it's impossible. Send more demons to kill him. When Jesus was in the beginning of his ministry, 
around 30 years old, Satan himself came to him in the desert. What's happening? Come on, I'm waiting for your sin. Because the wages of sin is death. Because God's word, God is justice. And God said, and I have this document here. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 17, God said that about this sin, he said, you certainly die. You need to belong to me, Jesus. Come on. And the book of Hebrews in the Bible says that Jesus was tempted. Tempted? Tempted. This word, you know what I mean. In all those things, in every sin, everything. If you think of some kind of temptation, yes, Jesus was under this temptation. When he went to the cross, can we imagine behind every Roman soldier, every hammer blow, was the word, was the fury of the dragon trying to make him give up. Please sin, Jesus. Say something. Give up of them. They don't deserve it. They deserve to die. They deserve to go to hell. Behind the fury of the Romans. wasn't the Romans. Was the hate and the fury of the dragon. That's why the blood is important. I want to read for you. Hebrews chapter 10. Be patient with my accent. Come on. Look this. 10.10. Hebrews chapter 10.10. And by that will, we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties again and again. He offers the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when this priest had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. And since that time, he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool. What's happening here? Because of the blood of Jesus, they triumphed. So there is no accusations, weapons of the devil, nothing of this. The devil keeps trying to make us as a church to bow down our knees to him, to obey his new God in our days called culture or political correctness. Oh, we should not preach against the sin. We should not say like that. But because of the blood, we triumphed. This is our weapon. So Isaiah 53, classic text. text. We all like sheep. Uh, Isaiah 53, 5. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought, brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us 
all. If you are watching this today in this video, in this camera, if you are in this hall, let me tell you something. Jesus died for your sins. You are free from the hate of the devil. You are free from the dragon. There is blood of Jesus to forgive your past, to forgive your family, to forgive your, your thoughts, your iniquities, everything on him. There is no power against this. The devil is defeated. The dragon is defeated because of the cross, because of the blood. This is the weapon. <clears throat> this is the weapon. There is a second weapon. He talks about Revelation 12, uh, the blood, and he talks about verse 11, 12, 11, the testimony. They triumph over him by the blood of the Lamb and the testimony. The testimony. You know what that means? It's the preaching. It's the preaching. Now, like I said, in many places, it looks like we cannot preach the whole gospel anymore. I'm not talking about that countries where the gospel is under persecution. I'm talking about Europe or even Brazil, my country, or many places that we kind of can preach just half of the gospel, otherwise we will not please people. People will feel sad or angry or offended by the whole gospel. I remember when I was a boy, <clears throat> uh, before internet or phones or all of this, okay? So the evangelism uh, strategies were very different. And then we used to go for squares or... Uh, the town center with the musicians of the church <laughs> and giving uh, flips, uh, what's the word? Flyers. flyers, flyers, flyers. And someone in the microphone and a small PA like this one and the microphone preaching in the streets and singing old songs. And it's the way that we knew how to do and giving flyers and talking about Jesus. And I remember this man. <clears throat> We tie under 35 degrees in Brazil and, and big mustache and preaching uh, full of uh, enthusiasm and anointing as well. And that way, and, but we were, I was a kid, we, we were in a very, uh, how can I say this, a very Catholic area of the town. And it was kind of dangerous to preach there because it could be, you know what I mean, could, could raise some kind of angry people there. I'm talking about... 80s. So it was different now in, in my country to be a Christian believer. Ah, it's cool, it's nice to have famous politicians or people on the TV talking now oh, we are Christians. But in those days we are oh, in the school always bullying because I was a Christian. I was the only one with some two or three guys. And this guy was preaching there and some people came to him, hey, hey, brother, please, don't preach like this. Because, and he said, oh, why? And the microphone was like this, and they could hear. And, oh, because this can be dangerous. And he said, I am dangerous. The dangerous one is with me. And he was preaching. Their testimony. The testimony is the blood of Jesus and the testimony. Paul said, uh, if I'm not wrong, 1 Corinthians 14, he said, I am the scum of the world, the garbage, the rubbish of the world. How can you offend someone who called himself like this? What the wor worst things that you can do with someone? 
offend, Paul said, okay, I, I'm okay with that. Okay, what the worst thing? I can kill someone. Okay, Paul, I'll kill you. And he'll say for you, that's fine. To die for me is gain. I'll be with Christ. We are talking here about some people that the text is saying they did not love their life so much as to shrink from death. I don't care about my reputation. I don't care what they say about me. If I'm under persecution, I will preach. Is the testimony is one of the weapons to destroy the, the dragon. It's the blood and the word. It's the blood and the testimony and to preach Jesus. Um, it's funny this because <coughs> sometimes we, uh, God gives some opportunity for us and he gave for me yesterday actually uh, when we start some friendship with someone whom brings you back and your heart back to the gospel because sometimes we start to be very spoiled and complain about things that someone, then you have someone who just opened your eyes. I was talking with this guy yesterday and he's a businessman and he went in one of our family of churches in, in Wimbledon, everyday church. And I talked to him this week and he came to Crawley yesterday. We spent the day together and uh, he was sharing about the, the mission and what they do with the business guys and, and, and the mission in the jungle in Brazil, in Amazon. And we were sharing about this. And he was with tears and many stories. I have no time to share all of them with you. But one of the stories was uh, they were traveling by these boats uh, 12 hours in the Amazon River in the deep jungle. Uh, and, and they are finally arrived in the specific place with doctors, dentists, and, and, and tents and everything. They prepare all the, the, that place to receive families. There is families living there in the jungle. Some indigenous, some families, very, very poor people. And, and they start to come to receive uh, medicines and food and all of this and the word of God and Bibles and the word they are preaching and this guy he took two of his friends and said let's keep walking and they start to walk through the jungle very very hot hot and the jungle and they walk 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 in the jungle and all that trees like this and snakes and all of this and after a long time walking they saw a house a cabin there there's someone there, let's go there, let's go. And they start to shout, oh, hello, hello, there's someone. Nobody was answering. Said, okay, there was nobody here. It's not possible. When they were about to leave the place, a man came. He couldn't walk. He was crippled, crippled, paralytic. He came. Ah, hello, I'm here. Oh, hello, we are here near to you. And we came here to say we have medicines, we are here to help. And he said, I don't have wheelchair, I don't. I don't know how to be there. And they looked at each other and they felt themselves in the New Testament. When those guys took that man to Jesus under the, the roof, the ceiling. And, oh, let's take this guy. Yes. And, and they saw a plastic chair. And they put the guy in a plastic chair. And they put it on their shoulders. And they start to walk in the forest under, I don't know how many degrees, really hot and sweating. And they said the shoulders start to cut. And, ah, but they were full of joy. And finally, they arrived in the place with the guy. The doctors took the guy. 
right? And at night they had a service. The guy gave his heart for Jesus, and, and they were full of joy. And he said to me at the end, Danny, he said to me, uh, uh, I was preaching for them, and I was saving some money uh, for for my personal. I was about to buy a house, something around in our. Uh, British pounds here, something around 5,000 pounds. I was there. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me, give everything for the mission. I said, no. Yes, and they gave everything for the mission. Because of that offering, they saved another kid in the jungle who was about to die. They paid a flight to him to the city, and all his family came for Jesus. The testimony always defeats the dragon. The testimony. Sometimes, we need to understand who Jesus is. He's the living water. He's the bread of life. He is the door of the sheep. He is the Son of God, the Messiah. But there's another title in this spiritual warfare here against the dragon, who is not very clear in the Bible. In Matthew 8, 29, the demons and Jesus, they are in this moment very tense. And the demons, they said to him, Son of man, have you come here to torture us before the appointed time? Can you imagine Jesus, the demon's torturer? This is not the European Jesus that we are used to. This is the real one. It's the salvation, but also the dragon cannot defeat him. It's this Jesus who is living in this church, in your family, in your house. We are in a war, my friends. And the dragon hates us, but by the blood of Jesus and by your testimony, the dragon is defeated. They triumphed over him by the blood and the testimony. Let's pray. Let's stand. Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, don't let us be domesticated by the culture. Lord Jesus, don't let us feel shy or weak to share our testimony. Lord Jesus, thank you for the blood, for the cross. The enemy has no authority in our families, in our future, in our emotions, in our minds. Because we are under the blood of Jesus. There is no condemnation anymore. Our past is forgiven. You don't remember anymore, Lord. I know this. And this blood is available. There is salvation because of the cross. And I pray for those who are watching this video now. Or those who are here in this room. I pray, Lord. Please touch their hearts, Lord Jesus. There is a new life waiting. There is a forgiveness and a new life waiting for them. And Lord, as church, as Christians, as believers, we want to leave this authority to preach our word, to share the testimony. We are your church and the gates of hell. You never prevail. Never prevail. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.